0: Several months ago, I had the privilege of interviewing our guest today on stage in front of 500-ish people. Uh, they were not there to hear me speak, I promise. But part of the program was that the audience could send in questions to an app that I could then ask from the main stage. Pretty cool idea. Well, I left about five minutes or so for Q&A, but got flooded with questions because the audience loved this lady that I was sitting across from. There was no way that we had enough time. So, this episode picks up where that conversation left off answering unanswered questions. Welcome to the Impact of Leadership podcast, where we believe that no one drifts into excellence. I'm your host, Steve Shear, and today's episode covers the American dream, family business, women in STEM, motherhood, and becoming a great leader. Light work, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, It's a lot, but it's a great episode. My guest today is your new best friend, Aisha Ahmed. You'll understand why so many questions came in in that conference that I mentioned at the beginning. She's accomplished, keeps it real, and feels like someone you could trust, which is saying something because Aisha is a lawyer. Ha ha. Aisha is the general counsel and member of the executive team at Nexus Pharmaceuticals, a family business started by her parents that has grown into a multi-site organization with over 100 employees and they are hiring like crazy. So make sure you check the show notes to apply. I'll have a link down there. So please enjoy the conversation with Aisha Ahmed and let's jump into her talking about the American dream.
1: Really, my family story. If you look back, um, it really started in India because both of my pa- grandparents, my maternal and my paternal grandparents, were all born um, in India um, and moved to Pakistan um, for a better life. You know, when the partition of India and Pakistan happened, my grandparents um, moved to Pakistan, and then my parents uh, went to Karachi University. That's where they met. Um, I always joke around that they were in the chemistry department and they had chemistry. <laughs> um, yes, I love cheesy jokes. Um, so anyway, they, they met in college and um, decided, you know, my dad actually ended up coming to Canada first um, to pursue his second master's in analytical chemistry. He then went back to Pakistan. Him and my mom got married and then they moved um, to North America in 1980. Um, I was born in 1981, actually, in Canada, and then they moved um, to the United States shortly after I was born. Um, And so the reason I tell people that our story is really the American dream and, you know, the immigrant story is, you know, my parents, they are those folks who came here with a couple hundred dollars, but what they had was a very strong education um, from Pakistan. They had um, family values, a work, a very, very hard work ethic a lot of grit, a lot of determination. And, you know, they were very determined to create a better life, not only for themselves, but for their kids and to give us the opportunities that they knew we wouldn't be able to have, you know, in Pakistan, whether that was from an educational standpoint, a professional standpoint. Um, And I think for me, particularly as a woman, um, I'm really appreciative of that. You know, I'm very grounded in in, our culture and South Asian culture. And I'm very proud of, you know, where I come from. Um, you know, I still speak, you know, or live at home with my husband, you know, culture and roots is very important to me. But at the same time, you know, I, I, you know, we talk about this all the time in our family, we don't think we could have built a company like this in any other country in the world. You know, America, we still feel is, is that place where if you have a dream, and you work hard, and you're determined, um, that you can really make a life for yourself that's outside of anything you could have imagined. And really, that's how we feel about Nexus. This is just really, beyond, you know, the scope of anything we could have thought would have happened. Because, again, you know, my parents, you know, were very middle class growing up. They worked, my dad worked in different pharmaceutical companies throughout his career. My mom worked at a lot of different testing labs. Again, like I mentioned, they're both chemists. We moved around a lot, you know, to support my dad's career in particular. Um, And then in 2003, you know, him and my mom were already well into their 50s and they decided, that they wanted to start their own company. And so again, you know, going back to the concept of, you know, the immigrant story and the American dream, um, you know, most people kind of looked at them and were like, you guys are crazy. Like, why would you do this now? Your kids are finally going to college and graduating from high school, and this is the time for you to retire, you know, and enjoy your life. But they both really had this idea that, you know, if we don't do this now, we're going to regret it forever. If we don't, um, take this step and take this chance, you know, we'll always live in this feeling of what if. And so I think that really spawned, you know, Nexus, um, the, you know, again, they, they started this company in 2003 in their living room. Um, and it's, it's an incredible story uh, of two people who had a lot of self-belief and who really thought that they had something to bring to the market. And, you know, at that point they really wanted to get into, you know, they had both, my dad had worked at a lot of different generic Pharmaceutical companies, um, and was very committed to bringing you know lower cost, high quality medication to patients um, in the United States. And so, yeah, that's really our origin story. It's we have very humble beginnings, you know. Um, just and and again, this company grew into something that went way beyond what we what my parents you know first intended.
0: This isn't in the the outline there, but it's naturally inquisitive side of me. I can't help it. Living room start. 2003 what's what's memory you have of that that maybe people don't know I mean you, you're if I'm doing the math right you're 22-ish at that point
1: yep I graduated from I went to a school called Case Western Reserve University um, in Cleveland Ohio and I graduated in 2003 which is just when they were starting the business and I was off to law school you know really excited about you know my future my career and then my um my mom was like, you know, we have this idea and we really want to start this company. So, shortly after, you know, they the inception again in 2003. They one of the memories I have is visiting them. They they did open up an office, a very small office, maybe a couple hundred square feet in Lincolnshire. And I remember visiting them one day, and they're just surrounded by all these papers. They were compiling what's called an ANDA. It's an abbreviated new drug application. It's the it's basically what you file in order to get a generic drug approved in the United States. And they were, you know, hand stamping things. And I just saw them both working together. And I thought, oh, this is really nice. You know, they're spending time together. They're, built, they're you know, working together. And, you know, I just really thought like, okay, this is just something that they'll do for a couple of years. And then maybe they'll, you know, retire maybe in, you know, five or 10 years. This is kind of the last chapter of their professional life. And so that's what, what my early memories consist of. Cause I was really busy, you know, trying to figure out my own career and chart my own course. And again, I, I never, ever thought I would, I would be working at Nexus at that time. I never thought it would get to the point where it would support, yeah, you know,
0: sustain that, right. Sustain right. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it's so much more than that. So yeah. l- now let, let, let's get into it. The following uh, are questions that were submitted while you and I were on stage at the event in October that we keep alluding to with uh, with Kaba and Inspire. Um, and for those that are listening in who are not familiar with Kaba or Inspire, uh, so Kaba is Kenosha Area Business Alliance. It's a local organization to southeastern Wisconsin. Inspire is an event that they put on annually. And it's, it's basically a leadership conference to spark Uh, or inspire people, as the the name sounds or says. And uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing live Aisha on stage. And while that was happening, I was getting flooded with text messages uh, to this app with questions for her, and we did not have time for all of them. So um, I promised people that we'd have uh, you on, Aisha, and so here we are. And and so let's answer some of them. So now let's jump uh, into the questions that people had that we didn't get to now, I took all of the questions, and you know this, but for the listener, I took all of the questions that were submitted and compiled them into the three main categories. So it's basically about Nexus, uh, the family uh, business, Nexus Pharmaceuticals, women in leadership, STEM and motherhood, and then personal and professional development, because there was, there was a lot that people were, were sending in. So um, let's jump into uh, about Nexus. And so first of all, why did your family go with the name Nexus Pharmaceuticals?
1: Sure. So we get this question a lot. And Nexus, um, the the definition of the word is actually a connection. And so the idea behind naming it Nexus Pharmaceuticals is we're connecting the dots when it comes to finding a healthcare solution for patients, right? So we're taking, you know, a molecule that we've identified, we're getting, we're sourcing the raw material, right? We're finding the right manufacturer to make the product. Um, we're, Doing all the testing and the development in the lab, right? We're making sure we have a great sales and marketing team to get our product to our patients, right? So we're we're kind of in the middle of it all, right? We're connecting all these different pieces, and ultimately, what are we trying to provide? We're trying to provide a safe, effective, and pure um, drug product, right, for our patients um, that need it the most. And so that was really the um, the thinking behind, you know, what behind the name Nexus.
0: Good. Okay. Uh, what is a key component to the growth your company has experienced over the last twenty years?
1: Sure, So that's a great question. Um, so again, like I mentioned earlier, in two thousand and three, you know, the first two employees were my parents, right, um, Mariam and Shahid Ahmad, and you know, eighteen years later, we recently hired our hundred and thirtieth employee um, at our at, at the company, and so yeah, I mean, it's it's been incredible, you know. And how do you go from two? Employees, right, to to 130. Um, and it was, you know, it's been 18 years of just continued sustained growth. Um, I think our family's philosophy has always been to really grow the business organically and intentionally. And so, what we mean by that is, you know, a lot of companies grow really quick, really fast because they just go on, you know, um, an acquisition spree, for example, right? And they're just like, we got to buy up everyone and everything in order to grow. And our philosophy was really, you know, we could do that, but then, how are we going to maintain and grow our culture? And that's been such a key component to our success is having this really vibrant, thriving work culture that we decided, you know what, we're just going to do it slow and steady. You know, slow and steady wins the race. And I think that's really been, I think that philosophy has really worked for our company. Um, We started out, I was employee number four um, in 2011. So again, the first, I would say really, yeah, the first 10 years of the company was just the family. My parents started in 03. My siblings and I all joined between 2009 and 2011. Um, and then in 2012, we opened our first research and development lab. And so that's what really started us in terms of hiring folks outside of the family, You know, hiring scientists and um, folks in R&D, folks in you know, quality control, QA. Um, and then In 2017, we really put all of our time and resources into R and D. Right, we're like, well, we need to get as many, you know, um, drugs on file at the FDA as possible. And then, um, and so at that time, you know, you know, we maybe had I don't know 10 15 employees. We had a pretty small lab in Mundelein, Illinois. And then in 2017 is really it was a big inflection point for the company because we were a first um, approval on a drug called Isoprel. And really what we did with that approval um, and with that revenue is just reinvested into the business. Um, And again, I think that goes back to the philosophy of growing organically and intentionally. So every time we had an inflection point, you know, we were first generic on a product in 2009. Here we are first generic on a product in 2017. Let's use those resources, right, to continue to build up the company. So we put that right back into the pipeline. We put that right back into hiring people. 2017 is when we started building out our own sales and marketing team. So the path for us for over 18 years has always been towards full vertical integration. So we went from being a completely virtual company where we only did one part of the process in-house, which was the regulatory component, to now with our manufacturing facility, we've become a fully vertically integrated pharmaceutical company, which again, is just a really big source of, you know, pride for us as a, not just as a family, but for our entire company that we've been able to get to this point. But I think it was always, it was really great stewardship. You know, I, I give my family a lot of credit. I give my brother Osman, who, you know, who's our chief operating officer, you know, he, you know, my parents are the founders and they had the vision, no doubt. um, And we wouldn't be here without them. But I think He's really helped lead, you know, the second generation of our family into where we are today to really take the business to the next level. Um, and he always had a big vision for this company. And he really, you know, believed that we could have our own manufacturing facility at one point. Um, and so, you know, and we trusted him and we and, you know, we were able to build out a great team at the facility, you know, hire some wonderful folks, our VP of manufacturing, our, all of the directors that we have over there to really make this you know, dream come to life. So I think, yeah, that's been the secret. The, the secret sauce is really, you know, reinvest in your company. You know, um, I always joke, you know, we don't have, there's no Nexus yachts and private jets and things like that. You know, that was really never our aim or our goal. Um, it was it was really to build a sustainable company um, that's going to be around well after we're all gone.
0: Yeah. And you guys are Doing it. And good for you uh, to be able to recognize your brother's contributions because in family business, uh, from what I hear, I work for a family business, but I have never launched a a business or, or grown a business with my family. Um, I, I, you know, I hear that sometimes sibling rivalries pop up and I'm sure you guys, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but you gave him uh, credit for what he did. And I'm sure he does a, he reciprocates that. So,
1: yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a team, right? It's a team effort. And, you know, everyone in the family, my other siblings, my parents, you know, everyone's made, you know, myself, right. We've all made significant contributions. We've all made sacrifices <clears throat> to get to this point. But, um, and to your point, you know, that's actually the question that I get asked the most frequently, right. Is how do you work with your family? um and it's it's hard like you said it's challenging it's ups and downs you know um it's you know it's not easy to tell your sibling something that like in no other context you would have to talk to them about you know how they're performing right are they meeting their goals things like that but i think for us the key's always been really like open honest communication you have to talk things out you have to have those tough conversations and then you have to kind of come back to well why are we all doing this in the first place the why is so important right because if you lose sight of that it's really easy to just be mired in conflict all the time. Um, and that's just not the the leadership that we want to set for this company. You know, we have, like, again, we have 130 employees. And I say this all the time, like, they're counting on us to make great decisions, right, to really lead this company and um, to be the stewards of this company. And I think we all take that responsibility very seriously, um, which I think, again, has, has led to all these amazing people. Coming to Nexus and being like, we want to grow this company with you, right? We're all doing this together. It's not just the Ahmed family, right? It's an it's a Nexus family.
0: We'll get back to the conversation shortly, and I promise I'm gonna make this little break here worth your while. I've got two free resources for you. The first is an ebook titled Guarantee Your Growth: A Field Guide to Embracing Conflict Without Suffering Casualties. If you're in need of some ideas, tips, practical application around the topic of conflict, this is a resource for you. It's super simple to get. Go to impactofleadership.com and click the Get eBook button. Also, there will be a link in the episode notes. Now, second resource. Because of our partnership with CCB Technology, we have a self-paced webinar for you around the topic of creativity. So if you need a spark of creativity, creativity you need a jumpstart. Josh Linkner is a New York Times bestselling author, entrepreneur, and drops a ton of practical info in these videos. Impactofleadership.com and it'll pop up or again, go to the show notes, click the link that says creativity. This webinar is only available until the end of March. So don't wait to get access. Do it today. Now back to Aisha. This next question is kind of, as I say, a hard left turn in in the context of how the questions were coming in on stage. So how do you overcome gender inequalities in the workplace?
1: It's out there, right? I mean, it's 2022 and we're still dealing with, you know, pay inequity nationally, right? Um, Women still do not feel like true. A lot of women, right, still don't feel truly valued in the workplace. So for us, you know, with our company being women-led, women-founded, right? My mom, you know, is the CEO, um again, we were very intentional about how what kind of culture do we want to create at the company from a, you know, gender equality perspective. And you know, for me personally as a South Asian female attorney, you know, I've been dealing with gender inequality my entire career, right? Especially when I was first coming up, you know, in law school, outside of law school I would get questions all the time that I don't think a man would get like, "Oh, well you look too young to be a lawyer and you know, are you sure you're in the right place? And, um, you know, just people really doubting my ability to perform, um, is something that I've always come, I've, I've come up against for a long time. And so now being in, you know, a leadership position, I'm like, well, I want to give back what I always, what I always wanted from, you know, from folks that I admired in my field. Um, and it took me a long time, you know, to get there, to get to a place where I could find my confidence and to really believe that, you know, if I show up, if I Aisha Ahmed, show up as my true and authentic self at work, then I can still reach my professional goals. Like, I don't have to be like somebody else. Like, I don't have to be like this, you know, this guy, this partner at a firm or this judge who can be super aggressive. Like, I don't have to show up like that at work in order to be effective at my job and to earn the respect of my colleagues and my peers right which is which is my goal still right at nexus um is to be an effective leader and to earn the respect of my peers our employees right of other folks in the industry that i admire and so um part of what you know we we do a lot at nexus is you know we're not here to just reward the loudest person in the room or the pushiest person, right? It's, it's about the culture that you set. And if you set a culture where men and women both feel that um, authenticity, honesty, collaborativeness, transparency, those are the values that are actually going to help you develop and grow at this company. Then I think right there, you're, you're helping deal with gender inequality. Because you're not just rewarding a super aggressive culture, right, where the loudest person wins or the most obnoxious person gets what they want, right? And, and I've worked at places like that. I think we all have, you know, and it can be really toxic. So, for example, you know, just to be more specific, you know, a lot of times earlier in my career, right, I would be the youngest person in a meeting or I'd be the only female. And that happened. A- and the more I advanced in my career, the, the more I felt that. And so now, you know, when I'm leading, like, let's say I'm I'm running a meeting or not even running a meeting, just setting up a meeting, I really call out, you know, younger folks in the meeting, men and women, both to be like, well, what do you guys think? You know, what are your thoughts? So that they can start having that confidence at 22, at 23, to speak up, to voice what they're feeling, right? Um, And to, and to see, you know, I, I read a lot of, um, you know, I read I read a lot of Adam Grant's work, and you know, um, someone else that I admire a lot is Indra Nui, the former chairwoman of PepsiCo, um, the former CEO, sorry, of PepsiCo, and she talks a lot about how in meetings, you know, um, the more you listen, the better, the more effective of a leader you are. And I've really taken that to heart. And so I think that's another thing that I think about all the time is, you know, one of the ways women feel kind of silenced at work or unequal is they just don't feel like they have a seat at the table. And even if they do have a seat at the table, they're just there to be seen and not heard. So really pushing back against that, I think, has helped our company kind of break away from this idea that, well, women are there just to do the job, but men are there to actually lead the company. You know, that's not the case at Nexus. And, you know, we have three women in executive leadership out of, you know, out of nine folks. It's not half, but we're getting closer. Half, almost half of our directors are women which I think is unheard of at most companies, especially in life sciences, which is still very male dominated. The numbers don't lie, right? We're moving in the right direction and that's where we want to keep heading.
0: Uh, It's jumping ahead a little bit in the uh, questions that were submitted. It ties directly to what you just said about women in the field that you're in. So this question specifically reads, what advice can you give to expose my daughters to women like you who are strong? capable and working in the STEM field to inspire them to reach for more And STEM for those that are listening in, uh, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Uh, so jump in wherever you want to, wherever you want to take that.
1: Sure. No, I was so happy to see that question on your list because, you know, this is something that I think, you know, we kind of talk about in sound bites, but, uh, we really need to unpack, right. And really need to prioritize, um, You know, to me, you know, I mean, you know, we were talking about the pandemic earlier, right? At what time, at least in my life, has science ever felt more relevant than today? You know, we are faced with a once in a hundred year pandemic that has, you know, taken so many lives, you know, has taken away people we love, has disrupted the entire global economy. As a pharmaceutical company, we've been watching the progress of the vaccine, you know, development and then afterwards, you know, approval, right? And folks getting vaccinated, not just in the United States, but globally and seeing that that's really been the key to help us move past this, right? And to get out of this. And so I always tell, you know, the young people that I talk to today, I'm like, you know, there's been, never been a better time to dedicate yourself to a career in STEM, whether that's healthcare, life sciences, technology, engineering, right? we need, we need folks to you know pursue these career paths um, particularly in the United States. you know I tell people all the time we are still the most innovative country in the world no matter what anybody says you know I mean incredible ideas are still coming out of you know Silicon Valley, New York, LA, Chicago, Madison, Wisconsin, all these places that are you know biotech hubs now right? And you're seeing these incredible, incredible medical advancements. And so I, when I talk to younger scientists, I'm like, you could be the person who helps, you know, find the cure, right, for cancer or find the next, you know, or, you know, create the next huge development in tech. So what an exciting time, you know, to be in STEM. And so, you know, just, just challenge yourself. Don't say no to the opportunities that are coming your way. And, and, and go out and look for them. You know, they are out there, right? There's there's more and more attention now being given to encouraging women to pursue a STEM career.
0: And would you say that parents, because um, I'm thinking even of my daughter, would you say that like even gifts that we give them, uh, that I give my daughter for her birthday or Christmas, you know, or, like practical things like that? Because um, I agree with what you're saying. I'm trying to even think about like actions to be taken by parents to you know put this in front of their, as this question is asked, daughters, but also their sons, um, to expose them to the field. And then I'm assuming parents need to be intentional with then aligning opportunities with their kids to meet folks like you and uh, other, other folks in the field. But steer that if, I, if I'm off there.
1: I remember when I was younger, you know, my parents are both chemists and one day my dad came home and he got me, you know, a little chemistry lab set, right. That I could tinker around with mm-hmm. and I loved it, you know? Um, and again, you know, I wasn't personally, I was a, basically a tomboy growing up. I wasn't really super into Barbie and things like that, but to me, it's, I look at it as why does it have to be a binary? You can, you can yeah. love getting dressed up and doing, you know, hair and makeup and Barbie and also, you know, a badass chemist or a physicist, right? It's like, it doesn't, you don't need one or the, it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can have all of it. You know, there are a lot of statistics around, you know, at what grade level do girls start falling behind in math and science? And I think that is such a key point that we need to keep bringing up in the national, you know, lexicon is what, what, at what point do girls in particular feel like, well, I'm bad at math well, I'm bad at science. And why is that happening? And what are we going to do as a society to fix that, right, from an educational perspective and then at home as well? You know, I think it's really important, right, as women to, to not just say, all, well, you know what, I was bad at math and science too. So why don't you, you know, why don't you focus on what you're good at? You know, there's a lot of that kind of messaging that's out there telling girls, well, you can't really, you're not, you're never going to be that good at it anyway. So just find something else to do or find a career that's more, women-friendly. that That's one that just drives me nuts. Like, what does that even mean? You know, um, all careers should be women-friendly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we don't tell boys, we'll find a career that's boy-friendly, right? I don't tell my, I have two sons and I, I never, I never use those words. We'll find a career that suits you as a boy, right? Because they hear from a very young age that every career is available for you to pursue. So why aren't we telling girls that? You know, and when they and if they are facing challenges in particular around math and science, we need to keep we need to keep challenging them and encouraging them and pushing them and saying, no, you're not we're not just giving up because it's hard.
0: That's the home thing. If I'm not helping my daughter with math homework, making it more than just just fill in the blanks and then go to bed. You know, if I'm not doing that as a dad, figuring that out, that that's a big deal tied to all of what you just said and, and you touched on it, but I want to get into it cause this is a good, another great question. As a mom, as a mother, how do you balance career, family, community involvement without feeling guilty?
1: So that's the question that I pondered probably the most for me. That's a daily challenge. Um, I am not the person who's going to tell you that, you know, you can have it all and that it's really, you know, great. And, you know, um, put a bunch of stuff on Instagram showing this perfect life, you know, that's definitely not, we just see everyone's highlight reel, right? We don't see the bloopers. <laughs> Let's put it that way. We're just seeing the highlight reel. And I've participated in that, like when social media came out, I was that person too, For to some degree. I think we all were, right? And I think over the last couple of years, and especially after COVID, people kind of realized like being your authentic self, whether that's at home with your friends on social media, right? That actually is what people are want to connect to you know not just a bunch of you know and nothing against influencers and that industry and that culture like I get it you know I mean it's a great way to make a living frankly you know for a lot of people and I understand that you know it's a great marketing tool for these big companies but ultimately I think what humans are looking for right is connection and how do people connect it's through sharing difficult things right it's through sharing like you know I'm going through these challenges at work and being a mom and You know, being, you know, a good partner in my home, right? Trying to be a good daughter, all these different things that we're going through, right? You know, it's it's tough. Like when people ask me, well, how do you do it all? I'm like, I don't do it all. I'm trying to keep a bunch of balls in the air and I'm dropping them constantly. But at the same time, especially over the last, I would say six months to a year, I've been trying to really give myself a lot of grace, Steve, and realize that, you know, what's being asked of us as modern people, as modern parents, right? Mothers, fathers, especially with this pandemic raging in the background, it's unsustainable. This is not okay, you know, for people to feel like, well, I have to grind it out at work, right? And be the perfect mother and, you know, look perfect, right? Be perfect. I should be working out constantly and eating clean. And it's just, it's too much. It's overwhelming. And so now what I've tried to tell myself is, you know what, like, have one or two focus areas that you want to, you know, really kind of dive into whether that's, you know, I want to be more present with my older son, with his homework. How am I going to carve out that time? And just make, make that your one focus for like the next couple months instead of being like, well, I need to be there for every single game and I need to be there for every single homework assignment. And I also need to be at work for every single meeting. Like, I also need to be at every, you know, community event that this organization I'm a part of is, is hosting. It's, you're going to burn, you know, we're all burnt out, right? And we've been doing this for a long time. And I think after the last two years, right, every time I open up a newspaper or, you know, whatever on my phone, I'm reading the news. It's all about everyone's burned out, burnout culture. How do we, you know, how do we make life more sustainable? And so that's really kind of what I'm focusing on when I think of your question, right, of how do you balance career, family, community involvement? It has to be sustainable. And it's not going to be sustainable if you're constantly telling yourself, well, you're not doing enough. It's like you are enough, actually. You are doing way more than you probably ever thought you were capable of. I can say that for myself. Ten years ago, I didn't think I could do all of this. And so I'm trying to just first be proud of myself, be like, wow, you're doing a lot. You know, you're doing a lot every single day. And a lot of people are counting on you every single day, right? Your team at work, your family at home, your friends, your extended family, all these people, you know, especially women, right? We're connectors, right? In our communities. We are the rock in so many families. Um, But then we also like my husband and I were having a conversation about this. We need resources being put into us too. There's so much that's expected of us, but where are our resources, right? And so I think that's another thing that I've been thinking about a lot is how do I show up as a resource for other women? And I think part of it is just being really honest about my own experience and being like, it's, this is hard stuff, being a mom, being a working mom. Um, and you know, my parents are getting older, right? Trying to be there for them, not, not losing myself, trying to create my own identity, right. Or sustain my own identity and still have a life outside of just kids and work. It's, it's a tough question.
0: Your answer is exactly what I think people need to hear. This question was given by, I'm assuming a mother trying to grasp at how do i do it all what i'm hearing you say is you can't do it all perfectly you can do a lot but prioritize the things that are most important so i know, i know you feel like it's all over the place but it's all intertwined we are we're, we're we're human beings we're not just career people or just family people or just community involvement people and the guilt you said it's there so I, figure out what's worth it. You know, that's what I heard at least. And I know Figure
1: out what's worth it. Right. Focus on that quality time. Right. One of the things I'm trying to do when I come home is put my phone, for example, in a completely different room. So if I'm going to be on the first floor the whole night, like I just put the phone in my bedroom. I'm like, it's an out of sight, out of mind. So that I'm not ch- constantly checking email or getting distracted. Cause if I only have, you know, two or three hours after the work day to really be there with my kids, right. And be there with my partner, like with my husband, like I want, that time to feel valuable. And it's not easy, right? You know, it's trying to kind of reprioritize, refocus. You know, I have two young sons, like I mentioned, and you know, you have two boys. And for me, it's really important that they see that, you know, women working in the home, right outside the home, it should be valued. It should be encouraged. You know, I've taken, I take them with me to the office right before COVID, especially, Um, and so now, you know, they'll, you know, and I talk about work with them now, especially my older ones. So he'll ask me, well, how did that thing go at work? You know, how's that project going or whatever? And it's, it means so much to me that he already has taken like an interest in what I do and that he sees that it's valuable. Um, my husband is at home, you know, with the kids, he, he works and he's at home and, you know, seeing their father be like a very available father, I think is so wonderful for, young boys, especially to be like, you know, dads can, dads can be primary parents too. And it's actually pretty awesome.
0: Jumping down to uh, personal professional development section, this question, reading it as it was, I'm in my late forties. What can I do to get out of my comfort zone and become the leader I'm meant to be?
1: You know, I, I saw this question and I wanted to give it a lot of thought because I'm still going through this, right? I'm still getting, uh, you know, speaking at the Inspire event was me getting out of my comfort zone big time. You know, my first, you know, a lot of times when I, when folks reach out to me, you know, whether it's to speak at an event, right, or to be a panelist at a conference, you know, part of me still has that imposter syndrome of, you know, well, why are they asking me? There's got to be somebody better out there. Um, And this is where, for me, at least having an incredible partner and a great husband has been really really amazing because he's one of the people in my life who's like you are the best person to speak at this like what are you talking about um you should be there you have a lot of insight that people want to hear and share and you do it from a place of you're really authentic you know you're a real person and you have valuable things to share and you should be up there and you should be talking and you should be speaking that's what I would tell this person who asked this question is if, when you get outside of your comfort zone, when you challenge yourself, I promise you, you won't have any regrets. But if you stay within your box, right, and you don't push yourself, you'll always wonder what if. So get out there, right? What's the worst that's going to happen if you get outside of your comfort zone? Right, you're going to learn something. You're going to challenge yourself. You're going to push yourself, and you're going to see that you're capable of doing something that you probably never thought you were capable of doing. I didn't think I was capable of sitting in front of seven hundred or a thousand people, right, and and sounding coherent, and smart, and thoughtful, and insightful. But then after the event, right, and inspire, I had all these folks coming up to me, genuinely being so appreciative, and it just, it touched my heart. It was so humbling, and it made me realize, you know, this is what it's, this is what it's about. It's just about sharing your story, you know, and there's nothing more powerful than another human being's story, right, and their journey, and how they got to where they are, and the journey that they're still on today.
0: So what I'm hearing you say is for this person, it's simple, but it's not easy. Say yes.
1: Just say say yes. Say yes to what feels right to you, right? Don't say yes to everything, but say yes to what feels meaningful to you. If you get excited, don't quiet that voice, right? If your first reaction is, oh my God, yeah, that would be great. But oh, oh no, no. Just everything after the but, just try to push that part to the side, right? If you can.
0: Tied to that, how do you then calm your nerves when you step out of your comfort zone? This was maybe submitted by the same person. I don't actually know, but it's right there. How do you calm your nerves when you step out of your comfort zone?
1: So, you know, that's a great question. And actually, so I, before the Inspire event, I was asked to speak at an event in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, which I was really, really nervous about. And so this, I can speak directly to this in terms of calming your nerves. Um, I've actually been trying to. Trying to spend more time meditating, right? Finding, even if it's five or 10 minutes in your day, just quieting your mind. I think that that's helped me a lot. And, you know, there's a lot of great apps out there for guided meditation. The other thing I've been doing is actually trying to listen to more interviews of other folks that I admire, different thought leaders, whether it's in business, right, or just whatever industry they're in, and kind of hearing how they got through difficult times, how they how they face challenges, how they got outside of their comfort zone, right? Um, And that's been really helpful, you know, to hear certain people talk about, well, you know, when I speak in front of any group of people, I still have butterflies in my stomach. And I'm like, really, you do? You know, you who this person who I admire, who I respect, who's like nationally renowned, you still get nervous? I think it just, it, it makes you feel a lot better and makes you realize like everybody goes through this, right? But, um, but it's okay. It's natural. It's natural to be nervous. It means that um, what you're about to do feels important, right? And that's why and you want to give it your best. But yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways, you know, to stay calm and focused and mindful.
0: What uh, what advice would you give yourself 10 years ago?
1: So I turned 40 last year um, in 2021. And so I think for a lot of people, when you turn 40, you you think, right, about the last four. 10 20 40 years and what's coming you know up for you and so if I could go back to my 30 year old self oh my god um where do I even start (laughs) I would probably tell that person that the next 10 years are going to be the most challenging they're going to feel like the most challenging 10 years of your life and they're also going to be the most um gratifying and it's all going to happen at the same time And I think for me, the number one thing when I say that is probably, is probably being a parent. Um, My husband said this very early on in our parenthood journey. I think my older one was only six months old. He was like, this is the best thing I've ever done in my life. And it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And that stayed with me till this day. Right. Is that, you know, That's what I would tell my 30-year-old self is you're going to do some incredible things. You're going to do some really hard things. You're going to go through things that you think are, that you'll never be able to withstand, right? Losing people you love, um, seeing folks you care about go through hardships, going through so many difficult times yourself, and you're still going to survive and you're still going to thrive and you're still going to come out of it better and stronger and more resilient. And if I told you what those things were, 30-year-old self, you'd be like, yeah, right. You're crazy, but you'll get through it. I mean, I think the last two years have shown us that, right, nationally. I mean, you read these stories of what people have had to endure, right, what folks and, you know, what our first responders have had to go through, right, doctors and nurses and teachers and just everyday regular folks, right, what has been asked of them since 2020, you know, in terms of work from home and Zoom school your kids and, you know, like don't see anybody for months at a time because we're all on lockdown. I mean, it's, you know, it has pushed people to the edge and I, and, you know, there's been a lot of fallout from it, no doubt. And, you know, I think we, there's a lot of issues right in this, in our country that we need to deal with. Right. There's a mental health crisis. We have, you know, burnout throughout, you know, different industries and folks are just done. Right. But at the same time, you also saw so many people just come together and be there for one another. Um, which has been incredible. So I think that to me is what I would tell my 30-year-old self is that, you know, you're, 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 at times you're going to feel stretched to the limit, but at the same time, there's going to be all these incredible things coming your way. And I think that's the best thing about your 30s. You learn so much about yourself, right? You grow into kind of who you're going to end up becoming. And I think that's that's really great.
0: Well, we made it. And uh, I am impressed with you all over again. I'm so grateful that you kept it real. Of course, I never know really where these questions are going to land us when I interview someone, but so grateful for that you kept it real, that you um, left open-ended things that aren't solidified in your brain yet of, uh, I don't really know how to balance it all, um, but to close Still us
1: working out. working on it <laughs> every day.
0: And you will be, and that's what makes you and that's that right there is why people were asking me at the inspire event to help them find you like they they weren't coming up to me to ask me questions they were saying hey uh do you know where she is because i want to find her um that thing right there because you're approachable you're successful and you know that it's not perfect and you're okay to talk about it so i don't need to go on and on you thank you so much for doing this but to close us out uh, anything that we've missed or uh, what you would like to leave the listeners with, I'll, I'll let you close us out from here.
1: You know, one of the questions that I got asked on the stage was, you know, around folks who have really great ideas or business ideas and they're hesitating and they don't know if they should take that next step. And I would definitely like to say, since, you know, the title of this podcast, right, is The Impact of Leadership, is there's just so many different ways to lead. And whatever that space is for you, like, just go pursue it. Like that's what we need more of, right? In our society, in our country, in our world, right? Our passionate people who are out there pursuing their dreams, you know, and and just don't give up on yourself. You know, like that's I mean, you know, to circle back to kind of how this whole discussion started, right, with my parents, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm like, we weren't supposed to be where we are. You know, statistically speaking, people who look like us, right, you know, f- first-generation immigrant family, right, from back from Karachi, Pakistan, um, people of color, right? We are a religious minority and ethnic minority, right? We're a woman-led company, you know. The odds were always stacked against us. And there were so many people along the way who told us, you're crazy. This is never going to work. You know, stay in your lane. Heard that one a lot. Just stay in your lane, right? Don't go after all this. You know, you're dreaming too big it's too much. You're not going to be able to handle it. And so, right. And now, you know, I look back and I think about all those people and I'm like, I'm so glad we didn't listen to them. And I'm so glad we didn't listen to the inner voices too. Sometimes in ourselves that were like, well, you know, I don't know about this. You know, we, we stayed the course and we believed in ourselves and we worked hard and, and there were really tough times in our business, very tough times throughout the last 18 years where we weren't sure what was going to happen. But we were, you know, we were very fortunate, right, with making good decisions, kind of leaning on one another, you know, having faith in God and just pursuing the, you know, the dream to build this company into what it is today and build it over the next, you know, five, 10 years to what, you know, we don't even know, right, what the limit is. I'm so glad that we didn't listen to the naysayers. So that's really my advice is there's always going to be people in your life who are going to tell you to stay in that box or stay in your lane or who do you think you are. And just, you gotta, you gotta drown those voices out after a while because you can, you can do a lot more than you think you're capable of. That's what life has taught me.
0: Well, I love it. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you,
1: Steve. Thank you so much for this opportunity.
0: Oh, it's, it's way more. uh, I feel way more beneficial for me Um, But thank you for saying that. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad we're able to do it. I'm glad you're in our local community here. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. New facility in uh, Northern Illinois, Southeastern Wisconsin is benefiting huge from the facility that's right here in our backyard. Yeah, Pleasant
1: Prairie, Wisconsin.
0: Yeah. We're both like Northern Illinois and Southeastern Wisconsin kind of benefiting from your guys' footprint right there in in Pleasant Prairie. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. and we'll have a lot in the show notes from, from what you mentioned. Aisha, if there's other resources that uh, have benefited you, I know you mentioned uh, Adam Grant and if there's other things like that, that you want in the show notes for folks, you can send that over to me and I'll I'll make sure that it's there. Um, And uh, thanks again for making time for this.
1: Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: All right, before we get into the takeaways and action items, a reminder. If you're looking for a great place to work, click the link to see openings at Nexus Pharmaceuticals. That's in the episode notes. Now, episode notes sounds fancy. It's just a paragraph below the play button that you have in whatever platform you're using. Um, They love their people. Nexus is an awesome place, and they prioritize two of my favorite things, taco trucks and professional development. Hopefully, Aisha, that gets a laugh out of you when you hear that. Okay, so takeaways and action items. Takeaways, there are great companies out there with leaders who actually care about you as the whole person. Number two, you can be both a fun person and extremely accomplished. They don't have to be mutually exclusive. You don't have to choose one, but it takes work. Number three, the American dream is alive. Action items, leaders look around in meetings, call out the young folks, give them a shot, hear their ideas, let them fail within reason, like Aisha was talking about. Number two action item, Prioritize the most important things. Life is a mist. Don't waste it. Number three, check the notes, like I keep talking about for a blog that I wrote on the imposter syndrome. Every successful person you know wrestles with this concept. So consider giving us a review in whatever platform you're using. And I'll keep it real. I don't make more money. None of us make more money at Impact of Leadership based on your reviews. It just, it helps us reach more people. And we are motivated by the value our guests bring to folks like you. So help us spread the word. Give us a written review on what you think about this show. And if you thought of someone during this episode, please consider sending them this episode with a note of encouragement from you. Now, we have over 100 episodes that will aid in your growth as a leader, so follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're using to have access to all of them. As a reminder, it's seventh time. <laughs> Don't forget to check the show notes. There's lots of goodies down there. I can't wait to be with you again soon, but until then, from all of us at The Impact of Leadership, thanks for listening.